This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello there, Disability After Dark listeners. Thank you so much for coming to a brand new episode of this program. I am excited you're here, as always, and I'm ready to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you and a whole bunch more lights in 2019, because holy shit... We're already in 2019 already. Happy Disabled New Year, and I hope that for this new year, your resolution is to be more disabled and more awesome, because that's mine. Um, Alright, let's get the show started. Just a couple housekeeping things that you should know about the show. I was going to make, when I was a disabled kid, a Patreon-only bonus content, but I realized that so many people who listen are disabled and may not have the dollars to, to... Support the Patreon if if they you know they might just not have the money to. So I didn't want to put this content on a on a paywall because that doesn't help anybody and that's not super fair. So what I'm gonna do is every now and then I'm gonna just randomly Beyonce release uh, when I was a disabled kid episode in this feed and you'll get to hear it just like that and then people can still be guests on that show in this show and then I don't have to run two whole different shows, I get to just do one show with, like, bonus things every now and then, which I think is kind of awesome. If you still want to support the show, though, you can head over to patreon.com slash content and you'll get the shows before everyone else, because that's what I'll do for the Patreon. That way, everybody still gets to hear the show at some point, and disability content is not locked behind a paywall, because... I feel like that's not super accessible to a lot of us. So, trying to make the show as accessible as possible, of course. If you're able to support the show with money, that would help me out a lot because it would mean that I can actually start looking into into transcripts because we're two years into the show and I don't have transcriptions yet because they're super expensive and I want to get them happening. So, put a dollar in to make the show more accessible to the rest of the disabled community. That'd be great. Thanks, friends. And also, if you put a dollar in, you'll get me butchering your name with a hilarious sex-related pun or just pun about disability um, in, the, in, in the thank you for donating. So you'll get me shouting out to you on the air in an episode. So that's fun. So yeah, pledge a dollar if you can to the show. But let's get on to today's show because it's a really, really good one that I'm super excited for you to hear. For the episode today, I sit down with a new friend of mine, someone that I'm kind of falling in love with as a professional 
sex educator and as somebody who works in this field, I stumbled on their new podcast, Sex Ed in Color, a few weeks ago, and I was fucking blown away. This podcast is hosted by Cameron Glover, and they are a queer, black, femme person who just came out with chronic pain and disability on their show and I listened to that episode and I fell over and I was immediately like I have to sit down with Cameron and have them on my show so we sat down for this episode and we talked about their experience being a person of color and coming out with chronic pain and what chronic pain means for them Um, we talk a little bit about sex but a lot about social justice and how all those things are connected Cameron has so much to say it was such a fun episode I, most of the time, I just sat there listening, going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, remembering that I had to eventually talk to her about stuff, and I kept forgetting, and it was just really fun. I came out fully as a femme in this episode. Um, it was really a powerful episode and super fun. So many intersections, so many moving parts, so many hilarious tangents. I can't even begin to tell you, but Cameron Glover is a gem. I'm so happy she came on the show. I am honored to have worked with her, um, and I just want to share the love. And her her coming out with chronic pain as a chronic pain babe on this episode was really important too. So, listen for that. But here is my episode with my new friend, Cameron Glover, right here on Disability After Dark. Cameron Glover, hello. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you on Disability After Dark. And I, yeah, I'm just so excited. Me too. Oh my gosh. I feel like <laughs> to clue everybody in, we've just spent the last few minutes fan, uh, fan like, personing over each other. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just as great as you can imagine it. It, it was, we've had in a moment, magical moment with each, with each other, just being in each other's like, ah, for like yes. a good 20 minutes. Um, so, hi, you are kind of an indie podcast darling, I think, at least yeah. for me you are, because I listen to your stuff. So, <laughs> y- yeah, <laughs> you're an indie podcast darling, uh, you're, and so I know a bit about you. Introduce yourself to the audience, please. Yeah, so my name is Cameron. I am a writer, a sex educator, and a podcaster, and also a bath witch. I like <laughs> adding that in as well for any witchy folks listening. Um, Yeah, so my background is doing freelance writing and online digital content, um, writing about sex and culture and technology and all the things. Um, And I'm also a sex educator and my focus is really working with marginalized communities, um, especially communities of color and refocusing sexuality from a very whitewashed, a very, homogenous space into things that, you know, really resonate with marginalized communities, um, actually centering us and, you know, letting us know that we, that pleasure is a right and that we deserve to be here and take up space. So, yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I also co-host the podcast Nerds of Prey, which I'm sure we were going to get into, as well as host Sex, Ed, and Color, which is my sexuality podcast where I re-center conversations about sexuality around people of color. Those are, that's such an amazing resume of like things that you do. I'm just like, wow, that's, that's really awesome because (laughs) while I am a person 
with with certain skin privileges, um, I do think it's really important that people of color have spaces that are just for them about their stuff and that don't have to deal with the fuckery of whiteness all the time. <laughs> yes, like I am 10,000% like pro-community only spaces. Even before I became like the quote-unquote expert in the room, right? I was always adamant about, hey, we need, as people who carry multiple marginalizations, whatever they may be, we need spaces that are only for us and by us and don't have outsiders peering in totally. all the time. Yeah. Totally. And as a disabled person, like, I feel like disabled people also deserve spaces that are just for them. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because it's exhausting to navigate the world carrying all these identities and always having to think about not only the things that you need to do, but like, oh, is someone going to say something? How am I going to navigate this situation? It's a lot and it's really taxing. And to have a space where you can feel free to just like exhale and drop your shoulders and feel like you're seen and heard is so powerful. It's the most powerful. And so in what I love about Sex, Art, and Color, and we were talking about this off the air, but I love how simple your show is and if anyone's not listening to sex Ed and color right now pause this right now and go in your podcast app and find <laughs> find sex Ed and color and press play and just listen for like listen to at least the first episode and your mind will be blown and open up so many points of discussion for us to have i'm just i'm just really proud of it because it's a little show it's literally you and a mic yes and it's, it's and just me it's you and a mic and your thoughts about race, disability, sex, femme identity, which all the stuff we're going to get into just now. Um, in, in in one of the recent episodes of the show, the most recent one, mm-hmm. and the one that kind of was like, I need to have Cameron on the show because, because. So you, <laughs> in the episode, you reveal to the audience. In, in I'm a, doing jazz hands as you say that. Oh, amazing. I wish I could. <laughs> I, that's awesome. Uh, you reveal to the audience that you, that you can not only do jazz hands, but that you also live with chronic pain as a queer person of color. Um, yes. yes, I do. And I, I want to say congratulations. Thank you for coming out and sharing that with the Thank world. Thank you. It was, I'm still actually feeling the nerves of it. Um, I actually wasn't sure how people were going to respond to that or, um, I, I don't know. And that was also, it's interesting too, because the episode coming out as a chronic pain babe, that was my first solo episode as well. So all the episodes before then, I was actually doing interviews. And I was nervous for both revealing this very um, personal thing about my life that actually not a whole lot of people know about and something I'm becoming more vocal with. Yeah. Um, but also, I was just like, who's going to be interested in hearing about me? Like. <laughs> <laughs> But like, hear that. yeah, and it's tough to do to do a solo episode. That's why a number of mine over the last few weeks have been me and a guest because then I don't have the anxiety of like, oh wow, does someone want to hear me talk for forty minutes about myself? Sure. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. If when you're on the other side of the mic, like, there's so many other things that kind of run through your head doing these episodes. But as a listener, also on other shows, I love hearing solo episodes because i love hearing about who's behind the mic and who's doing all the you know who created the show like what do they do outside of podcasting yeah and like how did how did this idea about whatever it is they're talking about come to be a real thing 
And like, yeah. And so I love doing those episodes, but I also feel such pressure to make the episodes like 10 times more hilarious and like make a joke and like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, and I think too, um, I'm still feeling a lot of the processing of that episode because, um, and I kind of grapple a bit with this in the episode, I think you can hear as well, with like even claiming a specific title. So I, I have chronic pain, I have scoliosis, and that leads to a number of just back problems. Me that too, I have. though, friend. I got scoliosis. High five! Hey, woo! <laughs> yeah, so um, basically for folks that don't know, it's um, when you have a curvature in your back, um, and it can affect your posture, it can affect basically everything. I have a feeling body. a number of my listener base. <laughs> I have a feeling a number of the disability after our listener base has scoliosis. So if you do, go on social media right now and hashtag me, yes. with like <laughs> scoliosis buddy or something. I don't know. Yes. Um, and it's it's actually like pretty common. Like, um, yeah, like you said, I feel like a lot of people have it, but you can have it on different levels. Um, so my... I actually found out that I had it when I was pretty young. I want to say like 11, maybe. Um, Yeah, and it was interesting because I uh, was having back problems then and went to doctors and went through all of that. And at the time, it was at a specific degree where um, my doctors didn't want me to do any like surgeries or anything. They were just like, well, we can do like some chiropractic work and then, you know, adjust you. And then over time, like there should be manageable... um, and yeah, so I did that for a while and then like fell off and I'm kind of back in this space where it's gotten worse for sure. Um, but I actually went to the doctors for the first time in a very long time and he was pretty much like, you need a, a regiment like now because if you don't, this is going to get worse um, and really just going to impact everything a lot and make things a lot harder for you. So this, when I went in, it was actually like a good thing. So I've been on top of my very busy schedule. <laughs> I also have a pretty intense, like, um, I'm in the doctors, like, twice a week at least. Getting that sounds fun. Great. Yeah, I mean, I I really am grateful that I have, like, a really great chiropractor. Shout out to Dr. Max in Manhattan. Um, and, like, the whole team there is really great. Um, the office has, like, um, medical massage. Um, Whoa, and- medical <laughs> massage. Yeah, oh, it's, it is everything. It's so great. <laughs> that sounds, I want medical massage. Hey, Dr. Brown in Toronto. I'm just saying, like, it's we... part of chiropractic care, so, so, yeah. So, okay, so the doctor was like, did they, have they mentioned anything about rods yet? Have they mentioned anything about, like... Um, not yet, so kind of, I am seeing, like, what what action steps we can do for now. So we're kind of doing a little bit of everything. I do a bit of like PT. Um, I get regular adjustments. I'm um, doing tests with like the medical team as well, just to make sure that other parts of my body are, you know, okay. And like how they're being affected by the scoliosis. So right now it's really just like seeing where I'm at and how that's been helping. And then once that's done, we're kind of going to look at um, if anything else you know, needs to be talked about. But for the most part, I feel like it's definitely an invisible, like, illness. Like, if you physically, I mean, I don't have any, um, you know, assistance um, 
I'm I'm sorry, I'm blinking on the word. Like I'm giggling because mine was <laughs> mine was totally not invisible. Like when I when it was really severe for me. Mm-hmm. I was like leaning over and unable to like sit up. Ever since I was a kid, everyone was like, Andrew, sit up. And I would never be able to sit up because of scoliosis. Yeah, it's like, well, I feel like it's um, something that I'm noticing a lot more now. So like I definitely know that like I can't stand for long periods of time. It like I actually went to a concert this weekend and I was pretty miserable because halfway through my back was just like, you need to sit. And I'm just like, where? (laughs) Um, And I also talk about this in the sex ed and color episode as well. But really kind of what led me to talk about this on air and talk about it publicly was that I had a really horrible experience at a sexuality conference that I went to where I just felt like I was in a space where I knew I needed, I just needed assistance in that moment because I could not, I was in so much pain. um, And it was so difficult to find anyone that could assist me. And I felt really isolated and alone. And I was like, this is not okay. And even you know, talking to um, the folks that were running this and like airing out all my grievances and like really going off on them. I still felt like that wasn't enough. Like people still don't, I don't know. There was like a lot of shame, a lot of like guilt, a lot of internalized, um, like, yeah, yeah. Like I was getting mad at myself for like needing the things that I need. And I'm like, no, this, this should like be here already. Like I'm in a value. Yeah, like, in this space, and, like, if I need whatever, I deserve to have the care that I need. And I think that also, that thought goes into my other identities as well. So, like, that insistence on, um, I don't want to feel like a burden, or I don't want to feel like I'm in the way, also comes with, like, being femme, and, like, definitely with being black, and being a woman. Oh, I'm, and again, I'm not speaking from experience. I'm going to just say, yeah, as, as I'm a marginalized person, I'm going to say, yeah, totally. But in terms of like disability politics, you've pretty much nailed that you're a member of the club. <laughs> Yay! So, do like, I get do I get a sticker? Your handbook is going to come in the mail in about six to eight weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but I I love the moment in the show where you kind of revealed it because you took a pause and then you were like, you just were like I have chronic pain and you paused and in that pause I could I could feel what you were feeling you were like you were like oh my god oh my god I just said it oh my god it's out there yes yes exactly (laughs) it was a big deal and like it's so funny too because I think um for listeners probably just like we're gonna assume that it was like me coming out with like my sexuality and coming out as queer and like I've been out as queer for like so long and my friends are like yeah okay like tell us something new (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and <laughs> um, it was such a like listening to it for me, and I listened to it like a little bit today before we hit record, so I could like rehear it and just hear the kind of the emotion in your voice. It was such a it such it struck such a chord for me because I was reminded so often how these discussions around sexuality are both whitewashed and disability is kind of like sanitized away from it, and this was a moment where we could be reminded that like disability intersects with every uh-huh. facet of everyone's life all the time and we need to be we need to be like extra vis- vigilant and I do especially as a as a as a white disabled man have to realize that like yes I have a podcast about sex and disability but I have 
ton of a fuck ton of privilege and I have cause, like why, what I love about your show is that I listen and I go oh I never thought of it like that because my privilege doesn't allow me to mm-hmm. I have blinders on sometimes so I lo- that's why I love your show because it makes me like sit back and go oh I felt that way but in a different context but I also have privilege where I'll never feel that way the way that Cameron yeah. does so it's really nice to like hear that on a show once a week yeah and that's how that's exactly how I feel about your show as well because it's like I still even with an invisible illness um I don't personally use disability for what I have because I feel like for the most part I um can navigate the world um similar to an able body a fully able-bodied person so yeah but I feel like it's really eye-opening for me as well, like learning about this and thinking about as an educator, as somebody that is going to be the expert in the room, and I'm using quotes around that because I believe that everyone's an expert of their own experience. When I do, um, when I give talks, I immediately will say the very second slide after I introduce whatever the talk is, I'll say, so just so you know, I'm not an expert. Hi. Just yeah, so- exactly. Because <laughs> it's so important to know, like, I have a role, I may have a role as an educator and a facilitator, but that doesn't mean I'm like, all-knowing in that moment too. yeah like i yeah. often don't know what i'm talking about like and when somebody books me they'll ask me to make the slides like two months in advance of the thing so i'll be like what did i write that day when i was yeah reading? exactly like, what did i say <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um yeah it's like really important to just listen to these shows no matter where we fall on the spectrum of identity because we can all learn from each other and Um, going back to like my experiences too, it's important for me to understand both who's in the room and who can't be in the room for whatever reason and what is in my capacity as the facilitator and educator in that space to make it as accessible as possible. Like what little things can I integrate and, um, kind of work on making, you know, automatic for myself and not necessarily an afterthought because that's the last thing that. I felt like an afterthought on many occasions for many reasons and it sucks <laughs> and I never want to be part of something that makes anyone else feel like that. So, yeah. Yay, I'm so happy and this like makes me like <laughs> fall in love with your show even though it's more because I know you're putting something out there in the universe that is, and again, you're not supported by a big production company. You don't have like a team of sponsors behind you. It's you and a mic and your thoughts and, and your identities and you're talking about it and that's why it's so powerful because we don't hear enough about that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, there's this uh, real importance in the show being just me and the mic right now. <laughs> I'm giggling also because I'm thinking of, like, a DM I got from someone and they're like, thank you and your team for all that you do. And I'm like, it's just me. <laughs> there's no team. <laughs> team is me. It's me, myself, and I. I, I will take all this credit. Thank you. <laughs> but, um... Yeah. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh dear. Uh, awesome. I we were talking about. <laughs> Let's just move on to question two because I don't remember what it was. A good thought though. Whatever. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Oh, production. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. remember now. Um, I'll do a little pause for edit purposes. I'm editing nothing. So just, just. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I think it's important that it's just me and the mic because I think. So many of us wait until uh, everything is perfect or everything is, you know, just right to start things. And I'm trying to retrain myself to think about done is better than perfect. And to start something that's needed, 
is more important than waiting for the right moment to bring it into the world. Totally. And like, that's why like I, I have one sponsor that I like was lucky to get, but other than that, it's me like, and the sponsor doesn't have a ton of money so they can sponsor when they can. And when they don't, they don't. And so mm-hmm. it's like me doing the thing. And, but I love that I do it. And sometimes the episodes don't get a ton of listens, but I know the people that do like, You'll see on when you when it starts getting a little, bit, a little bit bigger. You'll see the comments will go from like, "Hi, I'm a I'm a black person and I want to talk about disability. I'm a person of color and I want to talk about this and I want to talk about, like your show made me think about this and made my like eyes open." And you get those every now and then, and you'll it'll like warm your soul a little bit. You'll be like, "Great, those three people are listening, so the show's still a success." Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um. So I want to move into, <laughs> I love how that one question turned into like a whole 20 minutes of dance. It's great. Well, get ready. <laughs> so ready. Um, I want to move into the to some sexier questions. And so you, you mentioned you had chronic pain and that's kind of what you're dealing with at the moment. So how does your chronic pain and your disability, how do they play a role in how you express your femme identity? I love this question so much because I feel like, well, when I was first thinking about it, I was like, do they connect? And I'm like, oh, yeah, they totally do. Like, <laughs> I think that it's it's part of me. So it's going to inherently be part of my femme expression. And I think about my femme identity as something that connects me to community I think of it as something that's part of this long history of femmes that came before me. And to me, femmes are like the backbones of communities. They're like the backbones of what brings people together. And they're strong and they're diverse and they're beautiful and dynamic and terrifying and all these great things. And that's kind of how I want to live my life, just like as this badass that like brings people together and, um, you know, brings love to those that are close to me um so on top of like the aesthetics of it which I feel like um my personal aesthetic expression of femme is it it fluctuates but I do like (laughs) I like frilly shit (laughs) I love lingerie like I love lacy things so it comes out um in kind of more stereotypical ways sometimes and other times I'm just like nah like (laughs) it'll come out in other ways. But I think for my chronic pain, um, I think about it, I think it most comes out in my femme identity as giving myself permission to ask and demand for what I need to exist in the moment. So if that means, I don't know, I'm with my partner and I'm just like, babe, I need to like, adjust my position and like lay a certain way or like I need to just I don't know be in a certain space for a while and I need you to be okay with that like having them immediately just be like okay cool what else do you need how can I help in that moment which they're really great with as well that's awesome and I never considered like all of what you just said part of femme identity which is my own kind of ignorance and privilege around that but like mm-hmm. hearing you say that it was it's Some identity is actually, like, asking for what you need and, like, being clear about that kind of makes me, like, a super femme because that's my life. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think there's this, like, idea of femme being, like, super feminine but also, like, dainty and, like, a pillow princess. And I think that that 
is true to an extent because I think that there's a real vulnerability in asking for what you need. And I think that that scares people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of think about like, (laughs) in this context, like the pillow princess being like that, like, I'm not just being like, oh, I can't do anything. Like, yeah, I'm not asking anyone to save me because I'm perfectly capable of saving myself. But it's like to do all the things that I need to do. I also may need care. I also may need other things along the way. I need other people as much as I want to be like independent and do my own thing, you know? So, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think like for me as a disabled person, like just hearing you say that, that's why as you were saying that, I was nodding my head being like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess I'm a yeah. super fan. I'm like, I'm, I'm all here for this. Like, yeah. and that's where the community aspect comes from too. Cause it's like, I don't feel like, I feel so lucky to have the support system that I do that I feel like, I don't know if I have plans with somebody and my back is flaring up and I'm just like, look, I just can't leave my house tonight. I have a support system where like everyone is kind of on the same page and is just like, you know what, that's fine. Like what is in your capacity right now? And like, we can adjust and like do all these other things. And that means a lot. Yeah. Oh, totally. And as a disabled, like, I guess now I'm going to sort of use the word femme for myself because everything you said kind of feel that way. And you know, when I wrote that question to you, I was going to kind of like reveal that myself to you because I, I, I like the mask for mask thing in the gay male community makes me want to barf a little bit, a little bit. Like, unfortunately, because of like the way that's been packaged to us, Mm -hmm. I'm attracted to the masculine dudes, which makes me also kind of gross. (laughs) sometimes because i'm like i don't like that i like you but shit it's like um something that's floating around social media it's like uh, we (laughs) straightness still exists and like i'm still attracted to men so that's how you know like sexuality isn't a choice like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've totally seen that i was like okay next time just at me yeah just like so so like I I totally I, I guess I'm I guess I'm coming out as a femme right now. Uh, do it. I guess it's I'm happening. And I'm yeah, like can... I um actually just recently rewatched the Frida um movie that came out in like the early two thousands and never saw it made it. Me... Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's on Hulu if you have it. Um Canada, it's doesn't, High. Canada doesn't do Hulu yet. Canada on, Oh, oh dear. Oh, yikes. I know, I know! This is awkward. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it's, um, I don't know what other streaming services may have it, but if you can get your hands on it, it is fantastic. Um, It made me fall in love with Frida as an artist and a human being all over again. Um, But Selma Hayek plays her, and they really go into like the history of her. So if you're not familiar, like Frida Kahlo is a Mexican artist and she um, was in an accident when she was like around 18 years old and she was a disabled person for her entire life after that. Um, and really channeled a lot of the feelings that she had about that and all the other subsequent things that happened to her through her art. Um, and there's this really great scene that she has with Diego Rivera, who was her, like, on and off husband and was really trifling. But, like, <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah. he, well. he was, like, 
peak not shit oh my gosh he was awful but like there's this scene where he's talking about her art and she's like well do you like it and he's like yes I love it and she's just like okay like don't butter me up and he's like no I love it because like your art shows the reality of life and it helps people not feel um as alone and like her work it's not like stereotypically anything it's really it embodies like both sides of the coin it's like beautiful and like terrifying and like realistic but also like abstract it kind of encompasses all these like really quote-unquote ugly parts of our lives um but is also universal in the way that it helps us realize that we all experience them on some level yeah yes it's really it's really really great and she was also like a queer icon as well. Having I've like, heard this, which is why yeah. I, I want to do like for a Patreon bonus episode. I'm thinking of bringing back my one episode podcast of history that I was going to do that I killed because it just wasn't, Ooh, yes. it wasn't working. It. So I want to bring it back. I want to bring back like sexy disabled people throughout history and be like, let's do this. So it's yes. it's going to okay, happen. You need to do an episode on Frida, on Frida solely for the fact that she had an affair with, um, Oh my gosh, with so many people, with <laughs> basically all the women that Diego was cheating on her with, she was like, oh, that's fine. I'm just going to sleep with them too. <laughs> she is, but that's, that's heroic right there. That's like, yes, yes. That's true icon. <laughs> These tangents we're going off on are my favorite. Um, <laughs> my favorite. Uh, so do you think that disability can offer opportunities for more femme identified people like do you think those like that yes we know that femme and disability go together because i just came out as femme right here but um (laughs) do you think that like we can talk about femme identities more within the disability space yeah for sure i think that we can talk about femme identity in all the spaces (laughs) because it's so necessary um yeah and i think that there's a real like I don't want to say erasure, but I think it's easier um, as a patriarchal um, society to kind of look to people that fit within that binary and uphold folks that are closer to our ideas of what like masculinity um, should look like or traditional femininity. And that's cool, but I think that um, it's important also to look at the ways that femme identity exists and that there are many models for this. Yeah. Um, and that's super important. Like I'm not so interested in upholding femme identity that just looks like cis white like able-bodied womanhood. Yeah. yeah. Like that's just boring to me. Um, and that's not how, like even with like my white femme friends, like that's not how <laughs> they express their feminist. So like we need to have, um, more conversations about it for letting people know that there's like so many different ways to express it and embody it and exist as a femme person and that also recognizing that there are already disabled femme folks in the community that mm. are existing and like doing work and like yeah. being a thing and being like <laughs> fucking awesome femmes like I can't think of actually that's not true I can think of one person right now Jillian Mercado who does like mm-hmm fucking awesome modeling it was on the cover of teen vogue a few weeks ago yes um, yes like, uh, jillian hit me up let's get you as a guest on the show <laughs> yes and it's so like 
Exactly. I think that's something that's very similar with sex ed and color too. It's like, we're not, the idea behind it is not waiting for other people to create this platform to like give us permission to do this thing. It's like, no, we're already here. We're already existing and we're passing the mic to each other and creating a community effort rather than just uh, one individual holding the power and then appointing us as like, you are now worthy, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think with podcasting too, like, Again, what I what I'm really finding about my show and, and and your show too that I love is that we don't have the biggest listener base. Like we don't have like the whole like the whole world is not tuning in. We're not getting fifty five thousand downloads a week. We're getting like you know a couple hundred here and there. Which at times I feel so like such an imposter as a marginalized person putting out content because I'm like, why isn't mine <laughs> getting thousands of downloads a week? Why isn't mine getting a ton of sponsor asks? Like why why aren't I getting this? But then I look at the comments and i'm like oh people do give a shit about what i'm saying and yes they, like yes. They, they do listen to this so like do you feel the same when you put out your oh. stuff oh ten thousand percent i still kind of feel like an imposter with like all the work that i'm doing because i'm like am i still the best person to be doing this but it's i'm realizing that i need to quiet that voice in my head because it's important that i do this work because only I can do it in the ways that I do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like also too, it's um, important that like, you know, nothing that I'm saying is necessarily mine or original and like, that's okay. But it's still, I still deserve to be in the, the room and I still deserve to like to be in the, the space that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. To say the thing and like the way you're saying it might connect with somebody in a different way than say X person over here exactly yeah like I I'm getting more comfortable with the idea of like even being in a room with like people who like carry the same identities as maybe or like I don't know my dream is to go on a panel and it's like all black folks or like um all POC and like not actually about our identities (laughs) like not centered on like like, so you're a black person tell me about that yeah exactly like and even that doesn't intimidate me. That excites me because it's like we can all be in the room and we're all going to have super different experiences. And also, yeah, there's more than one of us as well. We don't need like this crabs in a barrel uh, situation that folks like to have when it's like more than one <laughs> in the room. So panels out there, somebody needs to make this happen. Like, Oh, I'm working on it. Oh, it's happening? <laughs> I'm working on it. Don't you worry. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, uh, so I want to move a little bit because you also do nerdy stuff, which I love. And I love the episode of your show where you and Kevin Patterson talk and you both like yeah. you both like out each other as nerds. I was like, oh, my heart's like growing. Um, audience, if you haven't listened to this episode yet, I don't know which one it is, but look for the one. It's the second one. It's so good and kevin patterson you know you're my boy just come on my show whenever you want we can talk about all the things because i'm gonna have a a giant crush on you (laughs) and he's a big nerd so like a plus yeah i have a crush on him it's (laughs) nice he he knows that we've talked about it Ah. yes (laughs) um so yeah and he's cute though and his book's amazing yeah like all the things Enough about my huge crush on Kevin Patterson. Um, <laughs> so, you, Cameron, you write about and you write 
about the things and you also talk about the things. Do you think you'll talk more about chronic pain, blackness, and femininity in the nerd space? I want to. <laughs> um, it's Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like I'm putting so much like effort into like crafting my identity around like sex and like being a sex educator and that's cool but I think that like I'm neglecting my nerd side a little bit and I feel kind of sad about that (laughs) um but yeah I think that there is definitely a need to talk about all these things within the nerd culture space as well because so many of the problems that I have with like the sexuality space are like times 10,000 in like nerdy spaces like it's incredible like most of the time like me and my friends um and like mutuals and folks that I interact with who are like mostly like black women who are like really incredible and just like in the nerd space and like crushing it we'll get like I don't know even if we talk about anything on Twitter, someone needs to come in. They're just like, well, you're not a real nerd and you're not a real fan because blah, blah, blah. You're not a real nerd. But, and, and what they're basically saying is you're not a real nerd because you're black. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ew, people are black so and gross. And like, girls don't like comics. Ew. Like, um, what? Yeah, they do. What? Girls don't play video games. Ew. Like, it's so, it's so ridiculous. And I, I feel kind of similar, like, um, like, in terms of like nerd space, a lot of nerdy stuff is not accessible to people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. how many times have I been to a con and there's like stairs everywhere or like accessibility isn't thought of until someone with disabilities or chronic pain is like, I need this thing. And everyone was like, oh, we hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you're a bunch of nerds who think about everything. Why didn't you overanalyze that I needed fucking help? Thanks. Like Exactly. Like I also think about like, I've been to, um, like, cons and gone to talks. And talks are always my favorites, too, because I feel like I get to really hear about what other people in the space are thinking about and how they're thinking about it in real time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's so interesting, too, because it's, like, those accommodations, like, you think it's frustrating, like, for just folks that are going to the con. It's doubly frustrating when you're, like, a speaker there um, or you're presenting and, like oh, all these accommodations that you didn't bother to ask me about, like, well, now I literally can't get up on the stage because you don't have a ramp. Yeah, like, now I can't do my job because you yeah. don't, like, yeah, you've hired me to come and be your token disabled person, yep. and I can't, like, thanks, like, when that yeah. happens to me, I want to be like, give me my check right now, I'm walking out, thanks, bye! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so, it's so frustrating, and I feel like it's very similar to, like, I... I'll speak for myself. I want to be in spaces where we're kind of going past the very like 101 about identity. Oh my God, like I want to be in a place where we're like a 305. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm so over just like zeroing on identity as like, that's the only cool, important, awesome thing about me. Like, okay. I don't have expertise in anything else. Just ask me about being black. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just ask me about being disabled in second dick. Like that's my fine. Fine. Yeah. Like, like okay. All right. Cool. Good. But there's more to me than that. Like, you yeah. can also ask me. You can you can find out that I like '80s pop, and you can find out that I'm a, like will watch Full House for hours on end because I'm a nerd. Like you'll like. <laughs> yeah. Like it's yeah, and that's what I love about Nerds of Prey too. Like we're all different um, black women, and we have different experiences and different identities, 
And it's still something that like we can all come together and like talk about those differences, but in a way that's like they can all coexist and not like we're trying to one up each other. Um, yeah. And it's just, I feel like it's a real sisterhood. Like it's a real community. Like Mel and Shannon and Lauren feel like my sisters, like they are my sisters. Um, and just like the conversations that we have on there, I feel like it's still rare to find that in nerd spaces which is really sad. Um, like I'm just thinking about like some of the stuff we're planning for next year too. And I'm so excited for everybody to listen. Um, plug, plug. Get on it. <laughs> Nerds of Prey. Pause this show right now and download two podcasts, Sex, Ed, and Color, and download Nerds of Prey. Do it. You yeah. know you want it. And then, of course, listen to me. Um, of course. Of course. All three. Of course. Obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah. I I think Nerds of Prey is just, first of all, it's a hilarious title. It's so funny. Like, <laughs> just awesome. If you, if you get it, you get it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a word um, pun for Birds of Prey, which is an all-female team of, like, um, oh, I'm forgetting who's on the team. But, yeah, it's a female team of superheroes, and they're great. Um, but, yeah, we were just, like, people that know, they know. And if not, they think we're funny, so... I didn't get. I didn't know he went that deep. Now that I do, I'm like, whoa! I gotta like re-school myself. There's layers to it. <laughs> um. So now that I know that it's about superheroes, and now that I know you have chronic pain, and there's like discussions in the disability community of being like a superhuman crip. How do you feel about then people saying like, oh, you don't have back pain, you'll be fine? Like, do you feel like you now have to qualify your disability a bit more? depends I think well depending on who's asking because I feel like I there are moments when I'm asking this of myself and I'm just like you know what I need to quiet that voice um but also I'm better at um when other people are being rude and asking that question I'm better at being able to walk away and just be like I'm not gonna respond to this or I'm not gonna engage with this because this is beneath me um yeah, and just, I, I can't deal with that. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's still very much a learning process for me. I'm still trying to figure out exactly where I am as far as, like, even the conversation of, like, disability. I kind of feel like, do I have a seat at this table? Do I not? Like, I is it valid? I would say, hey, you're one of us. Like, I'm already... I, yeah your membership card do you it's coming <laughs> but it's it's also like affirming to hear that validated from other people as well and not just like in my head of like isolation and pain oh no it's coming you're disabled you're one of us it's already yeah. been decided. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like it's also really empowering too because i feel like i don't know i think the way that we talk about disability and other spaces, you think that like, oh, this is the end. Like there's nothing after this, but I'm like, no, like literally nothing about me has changed. I have like this full engaging like life. I'm, you know, doing the things that I love to do and I'm happy to do and I'm proud of it and like all these things and like being disabled and like having chronic pain, like that doesn't negate any of that. It just adds to those experiences. Yeah. It, it enriches your experience and it will give you so much more to podcast about really yes so, <laughs> and it's also i think um 
making me aware of how to be like a better person, which I'm so grateful for oh, as well. My heart just swelled like a thousand ways. It's amazing. I'm um, sorry, I'm a Pisces. I can't help it. I'm just all the emotions, like so many emotions. Wow. <laughs> I'm already super sensitive, but like I don't know, coming to like grips with my own like um chronic pain too, like it's really making me examine the ways that like wow, this is where I haven't, like, taken ownership of my other privileges in my life, and, like, here are things that I can do to, like, be better at that, so, like, really working to, like, educate myself and, like, follow folks on social media and amplifying them more and, like, engaging with them and just, you know, doing the work and not, like, having to announce it, just, like, just doing it because it's what I should be doing anyway. I'm, like, I'm just, you know, I'm listening to you, and, like, I I was like, oh, they're done talking. I have to say words now. Like, oh, all right, good. Um, but no, you're you're just you're just awesome. I'm so glad that we're sitting down right now because my heart is like like so full. It's gross. Um, oh, I love it. So and like I came out of some to you today. All the things are happening. Yes. And my poor listener base is like, Andrew, shut up. You've repeated it like seven times. I don't care. It's my show. You're hearing it again. <laughs> um. So Cameron, what kind of discussions do you want in queer spaces to have about disability chronic pain and people of color like do you think there's a need to discuss more about disability in these spaces yes hell yes (laughs) and for people that think that we don't that means that we need more of it like we need it twice now (laughs) we need it four times yeah yeah because it's like i think the issue becomes how we talk about sex in these identities is that like we tend to talk about them as a society like they exist by themselves so like you can only be black you can only be disabled you can only be femme you can only only be queer and like that's who lives like that (laughs) nobody like we all carry like no matter how you identify we all carry multiple identities at once like no one is a single issue person we don't live single single issue lives. So no, we can't because that's just not how the world works. Yeah. So it's like we should be having these conversations as part of the topic at hand. So it's like not so much. I mean, I'm going to keep like saying this until, you know, something changes. But like we need to have sexuality like spaces where we're talking about sex. Yes. But also integrating and centering conversations about pain during sex and centering disability and sex and so, centering being black and being queer and navigating like polyamorous spaces or um, play party spaces or whatever because it's all connected so many yeses to that like i'm like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep yep yeah like it's we like we're here like we're here we've been here why are we not talking about it and not as like an elective off to the side you can take this if you want kind of thing where like we're going to be talking to the same people that already know this anyway it needs to be integrated to the forefront to like talk to the people that need to hear it (laughs) and aren't there yet yeah or that don't have access to like the conferences and that's why i love your exactly your your show because it's like you're speaking to a community of people who maybe are dealing with disabilities but don't have the language for it or don't have access to like the 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 disability conferences because because you know yeah like Melissa mm-hmm. Thompson does I love her work oh my I God. mean 
Melissa, <sighs> if you're listening, come on both of our shows. She's amazing. Oh my gosh. I have the biggest like fangirl <laughs> just like crush on like all her work. I'm just like, oh, yes. <laughs> like so much goodness coming out of her. Like it's wow. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like how, like, how do you think we can bring discussions of, of disability and chronic pain and sexuality to communities of color more readily? Yeah, I love this question because I think that it brings back an important point that also needs to be iterated, um, meeting people where they're at. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like a lot of folks in the field, they're always just like, well, how do I like reach out to more of these folks? How do I get more of these folks engaged in my work? And it's like, well, have you tried looking to where we already are? (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's try that. And like, that kind of reminds me about Kevin Patterson too, because I feel like um, a lot of his work with like polyamory education, it started from doing exactly that. It started from meeting people where they are. So like, if you don't know, Kevin um, is a polyamory educator um, and also talks about, like, masculinity in sexuality spaces. So he, like, started off as just, like, a regular, degular guy um, in polyamory spaces. And he looked around one day and he was just like, where are all the black people? <laughs> I'm the only <laughs> here. Um, and just, like, you know, he already had that community of black folks. But they weren't interconnected with the polyamory community because this idea that, like, is still very much a thing <laughs> that like black folks and people of color aren't polyamorous <laughs> which like okay sure it's like cool. it's just not like hey that's not true yeah if that's the rock you want to live under cool but um <laughs> that's uh... yeah so he just started like okay like what can i do to kind of like be that bridge to like um connect these communities because i know folks that are black and polyamorous but like don't necessarily know that this community can be for them so like really meeting people where they're at that's something that i try to carry in my work as well like i think a lot about um language and access as well and like not everybody has the access and means and the capability to go to some conference and also too like we don't always have the language and um means to like go to like advanced schools and like universities and do all this like yeah higher education yeah and all this like academic like bullshit it's just like what value is that to the person that's living in everyday life that um you know doesn't have access to that because it still applies to their life but if they don't know it because they don't there's that gate of the language that we're using to keep them out the the privilege of like Oh, I went to this school or I did this. Yeah. 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 Like, so it kind of makes me think about how, like, um, people throw around, like, intersectionality, but don't actually know what it means. Right. Don't know history, the root of it. It's just like, well, first of all, um, if you are, I don't know, if you're a white person, like, throwing around intersectionality to try and squeeze your way into spaces, you're doing it all wrong. Like, you need to know who created it, why it's still created, like, why it was created, like, who it's for, who it's serving, and, like, the actual, like, the actual definition of what it is, because it's just, like, no, this is not right. Like, it can't be your buzzword to say that you're, to say that you're, like, quote-unquote woke, just because you're using, like, take several seats, shut, like, no. Yeah, and it can't be weaponized against folks that it was, 
made for. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, you can't use it against us to try and, like, sneak your way into community-only spaces. Like, that's ridiculous. I love how um, we went from, like, sort of talking about sex to right into social justice. I know. <laughs> because it's all connected. It's all connected, Andrew. It's so connected. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking, too, about um, the conference that I went to. Um, I had the honor of hearing Sonali R, um, the fat sex therapist, speak as the keynote speaker, and they were incredible. And they talked about um, the ways that we view, like, scholarship, too, and how, like, there are people doing, like, whole thesis breakdowns on, like, Instagram captions and, like, Twitter and in tweets. And I'm like, that's scholarly. We just don't call it that because as a society, we have a very classist idea of what it means to be a scholar. Yeah. But like, thinking about folks that are doing like these long threads, breaking down these very complex ideas into like meme grabs and like quick, like under X number of characters, like it's incredible. It's amazing. And that is scholarship. Um, and I think that we also need to look at how we're celebrating that because there are folks that are doing disability activism and racial justice activism um and sexuality activism and not calling it that but they're actually doing the work yeah and i mean twitter is such a i've said this before and i'll say it again go on twitter type in hashtag disability and like every disabled scholar you've ever wanted to ever know will come up Mm -hmm. yeah and i think too what I like about, well, what I like about my Twitter feed, because <laughs> I can't speak to everybody's feed, but what I like about my feed is that it's filled with a lot of folks that have that mentality of, I'll do this thing because it's needed, um, and I don't want to wait around for someone else to do it too, which I love. Um, like, I'm thinking about Kia Brown, who started Disabled and Cute. Kia Brown, episode number 33 of this podcast, you can hear <laughs> hear us talk about disabled kids <laughs> which was like amazing and Kia is like one of the sweetest people i've ever had the pleasure of meeting in my life you meet, have you met them, them in person um not yet we are um internet friends they're uh i'll, I'll tell you later but we are internet friends hi kia um hi kia yeah, come back I on just, the show like, i love her work i'm just waiting in anticipation for her book to drop oh, um, her book's gonna be so good i'm so excited but yeah it's just like i love like i love seeing my friends do awesome shit but also knowing that like this is filling in a space that like is so needed and instead of waiting for like someone else to like do it or someone with quote-unquote authority or access or privilege or whatever grant us permission to do it like we do it ourselves like that's really inspiring to me yeah and i mean if if we want to talk about like disabled people are inspirational yeah you know why we're inspirational because we do the shit before all the rest of you do it so fuck off exactly exactly and our action based um because i think too like there's this idea about like theory 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 and that's cool but like what actions are we taking to do that so like in trying to bring you back to like sexuality like how i don't even know what tangent we're on anymore it's all right we're good. <laughs> me neither we're just on a wild ride um but like you know instead of looking at like these spaces and just being like wow like it's really white or like waiting until a person of color is saying that because nine times out of ten like that's who is noticing that it's actually really white um it's just really important to know that like we are doing the work and like we're just over here and like how can we integrate that as part of like the main conversation and not just something 
that's like off to the side or yeah <laughs> awesome so it's been, like it's so everything you're saying is so true and i have nothing else to add so that's why i'm like awesome because i, I just want to <laughs> cap that one off right there um we talked a few minutes ago about wanting to move past 101 and i was like yeah let's get to 305 um so like what deeper conversations do you think black queer disabled conversations need to be about like what kind of like moving past 101 like oh my god you're disabled and you're black wow shocker like okay yeah once you move past that like what else do we need to be talking about in terms of specifically around like sexuality yeah oh my gosh everything so like (laughs) um i'm thinking specifically about sex toys um we have so much to talk about yeah like thinking about um one person i follow on instagram june um they're they're canadian they're from montreal so i think this is french pilot with like an e at the end um but they do a lot of work as a trans um sex educator and they have this amazing post about body harnesses for plus size bodies and i'm just like i love i stand (laughs) i'm here for it but just thinking about like you know how are we using sex toys because sex toys are tools right And if we're only thinking about them and how they're applied for people with certain body types and leaving out everyone else, like we're failing. So like, I would love to have like more conversations about that and like seeing more um, queer disabled people of color, like in development and in like the back end of like making that shit. Yeah. (laughs) That would be like really, really great. Like where's the focus group for that? Because sign me up and also let me give you a list of folks to sign up as well. <laughs> I mean, my sister and I are working on the sex toy thing and you know what? Something you just said made me think made me w- want to go back to our team and be like, you know, we should double check and make sure there are some people of color hanging out with us. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like I'm thinking too about like um the first time that I was shopping for a strap on and it was an interesting experience. Um I was like emotionally kind of upset that day so maybe that wasn't the best day for me to go sex toy shopping but i was like this will cheer me up <laughs> let me look at dildos <laughs> um which it did <laughs> spoiler they usually do they usually do yeah and it was interesting because like the person immediately was steering me to the flesh color dildos and i was like no <laughs> that's actually super triggering for me i'd wait, rather wait, not wait, wait hang on they knew they can they can see your person color so yeah yeah exactly yeah i guess they. i I mean i I can see i mean not that it's right but i think i can like sort of see on the edges of like why they would be steering to the flesh color ones because they didn't want to like automatically assume you'd want the black one that's when that's when we ask what i'm looking for what do i have a preference for it's true it's true (laughs) and that just automatically steering me to like (laughs) <laughs> the dark colored dildos like i know which shows like how scared we are to be to be seen as quote racist or ableist or whatever it is we like mm-hmm. p.s we're already all we, we're already all those things already we just have to own that we are and do better like exactly which like that's yeah because that's not to say that there are not black folks that want flesh colored dildos because like they're like white peen it's it's a, it's yeah, a thing i'm just not one of them <laughs> I was scared, where's the fun pride colored rainbow colored like give me a unicorn dildo like that hello that's okay. where i want to be okay. so i got like a fun colored one and it was just like i don't know an interesting experience um but that was 
yeah, one of those things too that I was just like, I love being in sex toy shops and like looking at different products and stuff. But I'm always thinking about who's not able to be in the room um, yeah. because of you know price too. Like toys are fucking expensive. Yeah. Um, and like thinking about like materials and like how it's made and who it's made for and like all these things and yeah, we just have a lot, <laughs> a lot of work to do. And so like. I'm just saying, I had a question that just popped in my head as we were talking. Mm-hmm. Do you want a sex toy that would take away your chronic pain? Like, if you, hmm. could, if you could fuck the chronic pain out of yourself, or at least alleviate some of the pain you're having. Because I know, because chronic pain is yes. a bitch. Like, I, wa- <laughs> I would definitely want to, like, I'd want a sex toy that I could put on my junk, and then it would be like, don't worry, Andrew, the chronic pain is going to stop now. If you, I would, I would love that, because I feel like I'm definitely, like, a sexual person, and... Um, like I enjoy having sex. I really, I really enjoy having sex. So like, yeah, it would be awesome to not have to even not have to think about my pain. Like, Oh, something might cramp up or like my back might have like a fit if I'm like in this position, like that would be great to not have because then I can really be present in the moment and just like enjoy what's happening. Yeah, totally. It's like, I had sex last night actually. And it was, yes. it, I, I had a fucking good ass time, but <laughs> it can be, so, it can be really hard sometimes to like, to like enjoy the moment. And mm-hmm. the, the dude I was with, we're, we're doing the things and there's things in mouths and things are happening. And he was like, you're tense. Let's just smoke some weed Ooh. and relax for a minute. And like the that, weight of my heart, <laughs> like that was the sexiest part of the whole experience was I'm lying there with my gimp body being super tense about everything because I have, mm-hmm. like, millions of muscles, muscle contractors happening. And he was like, just take a toke of my, of my weed. And I was like, all right. And then, like, we did that and made out. It was a whole, there was a whole weird nice. sex element to it happening. But it was literally some of the best sex I've ever had. That's so interesting. That's actually, it's reminding me, too, very, um, so I'm partnered. I'm in a monogamous relationship. And very early on when I was still, like, no, this is before I was dating my partner. We, um, so we, backstory, we met on FetLife <laughs> and we <laughs> met, um, we both went to this play party. So this was at one of the play parties that we met at and we had like planned on doing this scene together. Um, and in the middle of it, I was like super tense. I was like really just like nervous, I think. Um, about being vulnerable with this person who I was like, I like them, but I don't want to like them too much, you know? Cause like, what if they don't think that's cool? Um, yeah. And it was just like a lot of things going on and I guess they could tell that I was super tense. Um, and they were just like, you know what, we're going to stop and we're going to talk this out. Like in the middle of like a play space, they were like, I don't care. Everyone's just going to have to wait and like deal with it. And we're just going to like take breaths and like talk about this. And seriously, it was like immediately I was just like, okay, I would, I want to date you now. (laughs) It was was great. Yeah. That's so awesome. I could go off on 75 quadrillion tangents with you when I hit off. Don't worry. We will. Um, Oh, we will. (laughs) Oh, it's happening. Uh, but I want to get back to the question so that the audience is like, Andrew, stop rambling for two hours. Uh, but so what advice do you think you would offer to other, now that you've kind of, I know you're not comfortable with disabled yet, but I promise you the word can be yours whenever you're ready for it. But (laughs) what would you offer to other chronically ill or disabled queer people of color who want to talk, 
write or be open or be in a podcast like what would you what would you say to them to give them that nudge of like confidence so like hey these communities Mm -hmm. are for you oh my gosh do the thing um I think something that inspires me a lot is thinking about um the people that have come before me and the people that I look to as ancestors even if they're not like directly related to me because I think that ancestry is like really important um at least for my life and like the folks of color and black folks that I know. So like somebody that I think about a lot as like an ancestor is Audre Lorde. Um, You know, I think about the ways that she wrote about her pain and her experiences so beautifully and like laid this path um, for other people to follow as well. But essentially she was still like writing about herself and centering her life in her work as well, while still knowing that like that's helping people. Um, I'm thinking about like, you know, Frida Kahlo and like Sojourner Truth and like um, all these other folks that are in history that we can like look to, but we're also finding out that like, hey, they were disabled as well. And like having those role models, even if they aren't directly ancestral to you, those can be really powerful. Um, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, it's important that we don't wait for others to give us permission. It's like we're wanting to do the thing and that's valid enough like we deserve to like do the thing that we want to do so like do it <laughs> and you know you know Karen, in like a hundred years someone's gonna be on whatever the equivalent of a podcast is then being like <laughs> remember those two people that Cameron and Andrew do they are they are people that I look up to like whatever that is in a hundred years we're gonna I be those people I hope so I hope so like even if I just help one person or just one person like resonates with something that I say. I'm like, my job is done. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you did the thing. Yeah. Um, I am so proud of all the things you're doing. I'm proud that you've. Thank you for sharing your coming out story of being, being, having chronic pain. Um, you are just somebody who's doing the things, and I am really honored to have you on the show. Oh my gosh! Thank you for having me. This was so great. It was just fun to just talk, and I love all of our tangents, and it's none of it's being edited <laughs> out because I fucking love all of it. It's great. Um, Yay! <laughs> and also, if you would um, want to have me back on to do more tangents, I would happily do that. Oh, I feel like I feel like there will be a bonus episode where we don't talk about anything in particular. We just go, but yes. But I feel like that's coming. I don't know when, but it is happening. Or or. If people have questions as well. Yes. Yes. I'm down for a Q&A. A Q&A of color. Oh, that's what oh. oh, it's happening. Yes. Yes. I'm, I love Q&A so much. Q&A of color. Because I'm just like a nosy person. So I always like knowing what people are thinking about <laughs> and what they ask. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so how do people get a hold of you so they can follow all of your shit? Yes, because I am in many places. So you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My personal account is Black Girl Manifest. So that is B L K G I R L M A N I S E S T. If you want to follow Sex Ed in Color, that's also on Instagram and Twitter, and that's at just Sex Ed in Color. We also have a face. Oh, we I <laughs> have a Facebook page. It can be for- the royal we. Uh, yeah, yes, we. <laughs> um, there's a Facebook page for Sex, Ed, and Color as well, and that is S-E-I-C Podcast. Um, yeah, you can listen to Sex, Ed, and Color on 
Stitcher, um, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your shows from, and also my other show, Nerds of Prey, <laughs> you should also follow us as well. So that is on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Nerds of Preycast. Um, the website is nerdsofpreycast.com. And yeah, I think that's all the places you can find me. <laughs> Amazing. I, that, I, so many, I have so many feelings about how great this was. But uh, I'm going to let you go so that the audience doesn't get bored of us loving on each other so much. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? But... Um, oh, excuse me. That The website for Nerds of Prey is nerdsofpreypodcast.com. And don't worry. All of, this will, all of this will be properly in the show notes because... Yes. Everyone needs to follow this, like, yesterday. Um, yes. Cameron Glover, thanks for coming on Disability After Dark. Oh my gosh, Andrew, thank you so much for having me. Anytime, and you're, I'm, we're coming back for that weird tangent episode that's about nothing. Oh I mean, yeah, it's I'm a, ready. It's happening, don't worry. Patreon bonus episode for sure. Yes. <laughs> All right, friend, we'll talk later. All right, bye. Bye. Wow, wow, wow. That was definitely one of my favorite interviews of this whole show. It was so... We went on, on so many different places, talked about social justice, talked about race, talked about disability, talked about all those intersections. I came out as femme. That was kind of awesome. So many things happened here. It was a really fun episode. Cameron is amazing. You should all download Sex, Ed, and Color and Nerds of Prey right now. Those are amazing podcasts that center, that center people of color in discussions of sexuality and nerd culture. Cameron Glover's amazing. I I couldn't I can't gush anymore about how awesome this interview was. Hope you loved it. Thanks for listening. And this has been Disability After Dark. If you want to be a guest on the show, send in a Minnesota, any of the things, you can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. You can be a guest on this show or the, our bonus show when I was a disabled kid. Uh, you can also be a guest for that show. Um, all the things. Uh, thank you again for listening. I'm Andrew Gerza. I'm your disability awareness consultant and your disabled dreamboat, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks. All right, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www. AndrewGerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment. You help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time, right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice 
Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Triple Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019.